0: Welcome to Kings River Life's Mystery Rats Maze podcast, where we share with you mystery short stories and first chapters of mystery novels read by local actors. This episode features the first chapter of The Five Matters of Death by Darden North. It's read by local actor Ariel Lynn. The Five Matters of Death was published in 2017 by WordCrafts Press.
1: After a construction worker unearthed the human skull on the campus of the University of Mississippi dating to the mid-1950s, an older woman's desperate attempt to erase history counts down the five ways to die. In the contemporary thriller, The Five Manners of Death, set in Oxford and Jackson, Mississippi, the woman is the niece of Dr. Diana Bratton, a surgeon surrounded by bodies. After the discovery of her Aunt Phoebe's 50-year-old note from college detailing the manners of death, suicide, accident, natural causes, and one death classified undetermined are soon crossed off the list, leaving Diana to believe that only murder remains. Yet, the police prove her wrong. Diana Bratton steals precious time from her daughter, her surgical practice, and her hopes for renewed romance to clear Aunt Phoebe's name of multiple murder charges. Diana must uncover the significance of the list of the manners of death. Her quest to expose the truth, overshadowed by a need to bury Phoebe's past. Even though Diana realizes there is a chance to save her aunt, one of two remaining relatives, she learns that of the five ways to die, murder is her family's secret. Phoebe struggled against the sheets, pushing up with her arms. The glass of water on the silver tray rocked back and forth on the bed. Is the funeral home here? She asked and settled against the pillow. No, because you're not dead, Diana said. At least, not yet. Diana blotted the sweat from her aunt's forehead, skin hot enough to singe fingertips. She jerked away from the rattling cough that followed. Diana could not be sick, too. Phoebe managed to cling to the bedsheets instead of rolling to the floor. She shook her head when the hacking passed. I told you to use one of the linen handkerchiefs. The ones with my initials. Forget the Emily Post, Diana said. Here, take a sip of this. She put the fresh water for a tumbler from the nightstand to Phoebe's lips. The red mane swung free of the pillow. Strands of hair matted on Phoebe's forehead. Diana bent and tried to fluff the pillow back into shape. The satin felt moist, almost scummy. She gave up and flipped the pillow over to the unused side. For heaven's sake, please fill that glass with something besides water, Phoebe said, swallowing hard she almost floated back against the padding. Despite the cigarettes abandoned a few years ago, cocktails every afternoon, and a two-day fever racking her delicate frame, Diana Bratton's aunt remained beautiful. No one judged her a day over forty, much less over sixty. Vodka and sodas in the rosewood cabinet inside my dressing room, she said, handing the glass of water back to Diana. "'Get it, please, and refresh the philodendron in the corner with this.' "'You should have listened to me about that flu shot,' Diana said. Phoebe took the monogram linen handkerchief from her. "'This is a family heirloom. My family. It belonged to my mother.' She blotted her forehead, then tossed the handkerchief atop the used pile near the lamp. "'I've never been much for free advice.' "'Even from you, Dr. Bratton,' Phoebe said. She reached for a fresh piece of linen from the Chinese porcelain tray near the bedside table, one of the pieces of china left uncrated for the move. "'I should have sneaked that syringe of flu vaccine out of the office and popped you with it myself. A real freebie.' Diana shielded her face just as more coughing and hacking racked Phoebe's body. "'It's never too late for the pneumonia vaccine.' But I give up. Diana opened the drawer in the bedside table and unwrapped the small package underneath the magazines, ink pens, and notepads. Will you at least take a breathing treatment? Phoebe grabbed the nebulizer, inhaled twice, and sputtered. You mentioned your office. Makes me think of your surgery partner. A woman I play bridge with calls men like that arm candy. Brad's been real busy. We just had our seven-year anniversary. Should have been a wedding anniversary, my dear. She grabbed an extra puff on the nebulizer. Not long ago, you and your Dr. Brad Cummins were all but married. Except for the ring. I'll ignore that, Diana said. Here's a fresh handkerchief. She dodged the path of the next coughing spell. Um, Candy, Phoebe gasped. Just thinking about that Dr. Brad Cummins makes an old lady feel better. This thing isn't doing you much good, even if overused, Diana said. She tossed the nebulizer at the oxygen tank. It landed near the head of Phoebe's four-poster mahogany bed and slid along the floor to behind the drapes. You sound worse. She dug a digital thermometer and stethoscope out of her purse. Inhale... An exhale. Deep, she ordered. Phoebe obeyed with deep breaths and release. Where's that other thing going? In that know-it-all mouth of yours, Diana answered. She put the stethoscope aside and placed a thermometer under Phoebe's tongue. Your lungs sound horrible, like a tornado. Not to mention that your temp is still up. I probably have Pneumonia. That's another vote for the vaccine, and instead of a hearse, I'm calling Metropolitan for an ambulance. Please, please, Diana, don't. This is such a close-knit neighborhood. Lots of busybodies. Sirens will cause such a stir. You are moving out of this place. You don't care what the old neighbors say, Diana said. Thank goodness we closed on the new house before I got sick and I'm glad that I bought a place in town. "'Regardless, I should have insisted you go to the hospital sooner,' Diana said. "'Except for Kelsey. You're the closest thing I have to Blood kin. "'I give up. Maybe you're right.' Phoebe reached for the thick white cotton robe at the foot of the bed. The new silk one from Neiman Marcus remained boxed in her closet. "'Here, help me with this thing, and then get me to your car.' Seeing your beautiful daughter once I'm settled into my room would really cheer me up. Diana wrapped the robe around the sheer pajamas, moist from sweat. Phoebe's skin felt clammy. Covering up is probably wise. This slinky outfit may get you arrested when we roll through admissions, Diana said. She eased Phoebe into the silk slippers waiting on the oriental rug. Better yet. Maybe we should change you into something less provocative. I'll check your closet. A long row of cocktail dresses and tailored suits on hangers lined the walls to the left and right of the master bedroom closet. A built-in bank of drawers was located at the end of the space. Diana searched and found a pink fleece set neatly folded in the bottom drawer. I'm glad everything is not already boxed up, Diana said. Let's slip you into this. No, no! I'm much too weak to change clothes. (coughs) (coughs) Phoebe stood, unsteady at first, then grabbed her purse from the dresser, clutching it to her chest. She coughed and sputtered as they moved down the hall toward the living room. Doctors make note of expensive pajamas. I won't part with these, she said. Diana caught Phoebe before she stumbled over the stuffed boxes and cartons piled in the entrance hall. "'Okay. You win. We'll go as you are. But once I turn you over to the hospitalist, I'll come back and pack a bag for you,' Diana said. "'You won't need much. The gift shop will have toiletries.' She took Phoebe by the elbow and guided her out through the front door, past the white columns that anchored a wraparound porch extending across the front and along the sides of the house. Down the steps, at the foot of the narrow driveway— a dumpy red-faced man in his sixties stopped to fumble with a plastic walmart shopping bag wouldn't you know it phoebe whispered under her handkerchief that fool carvel eves afternoon ladies lots of tidbits on my afternoon stroll he said like a pendulum he swung the stuffed bag with empty soft drink and beer cans crumpled fast food bags and gum wrappers in phoebe's direction she frowned and opened the door to Diana's car. "'Interesting hobby you have, Carveil, keeping our Bell Haven neighborhood free of litter during your walks. But I don't have time for—' The comment was stalled by another round of coughing, topped off with a protracted wheeze. "'Time for your nonsense today!' She slid inside the car into the passenger seat. Carvail Eves leaned toward Phoebe. "'Never know what people will toss out into the streets,' he said. "'Most of the time it's teenagers, throwing beer cans out the window before Mom and Dad see, or discards flying out the back of their pickups. Sometimes it's just careless trash collectors.' Carvail took a second look at Phoebe. "'Looks like you're a little under the weather, Miss Phoebe.' "'You're not listening, Carvail,' She said. My niece and I are in a terrible rush. A rush? Just like last Saturday's bridge tournament? That wasn't me with the mistakes. Your game was off. She answered. When I trumped you and closed you out, I was just trying to end the misery for us all. Phoebe tilted her head past him through the window for an even longer, deeper coughing episode this time punctuated with two wheezes. Diana opened the driver's door and tossed her white jacket out of the way to the back seat. She patted Phoebe on the back until the coughing and wheezing ceased. Tell Mr. Eves goodbye. We need to get to the hospital, Diana said. You do sound rough, Phoebe, Carvail said. Guess you'll miss this weekend's bridge tournament and your master points. Seems I will, my niece thinks I'm on death's door and insists on the hospital. She's the doctor, you know. A surgeon. Everybody knows that, Phoebe. She fixed my golf buddy's hernia. Eves reached low for a plastic couplet and drinking straw spotted near the curb and stuffed his bag. He smiled. No complaints since. Cavell, we have to go. Start the car, Diana. Diana pushed the ignition switch. Funny you said something about death's door, he said. Carveo leaned closer, then seemed to think better of it. He smoothed a piece of paper. Let's see. The paper is old. It's some type of list. The printing is a little smeared and definitely faded. But at the top it says, The Five Manners of Death. Carvail tipped his old Miss Ballcap. "'Better be careful at that hospital, Phoebe. Seems there are several ways to go.' "'My God, Carvail, those were notes from a college English composition class. Creative writing. I found that one packing for the move and threw that ancient garbage away,' Phoebe said. "'Even now, I can't seem to get rid of those papers, thanks to busybodies like you.' He spotted a weathered, rolled-up newspaper flattened against the curb across the street. "'I better get that. Newspaper decomposes quick!' Carvel stuffed the sheet of paper back into his makeshift trash bag and headed across the street. "'Unique little man, that Mr. Reeves,' Diana said and closed her door. Forgetting the car was already running, she again pushed the ignition, then placed her cell in a compartment on the console. "'Never mind that old fool!' He tried to convince my bridge partner to go to a golf party at the country club last Christmas, practically begged her to date him. Phoebe fished a fresh disposable tissue from her purse, which nearly disintegrated under more coughing and hacking. Then there were sneezes. Her husband hadn't been dead a month. Maybe you should just rest quietly, Diana said. Let your seat back with that button between the seat and the door. Diana reached for her cell, but remembered the Bluetooth. I better give a heads up to the hospitalists at Metropolitan, she said. He won't mind. He gets paid for admission. Diana pushed call on the steering wheel and spoke the name. A voice blared from the stereo speakers. Dr. Bahrain here. Startled, Diana swerved to miss the edge of a brick pillar marking the entrance to a driveway. Diana! Phoebe screamed. Is it too late for that ambulance? Diana straightened the vehicle and slowed at the four-way stop to turn the corner. She took a deep breath and answered the hospitalist. Amen, this is Diana Bratton. Can you take a look at my aunt? She's not any better. I think pneumonia has complicated her asthma. Sure, Dr. Bratton. Bring her on in. I'll expedite the admission and fix her up in no time. Thank you. We're fifteen minutes away, Diana said. They ended the call just before Phoebe started to wheeze and cough. Diana reached behind to rummage through the pockets of her lab coat in the back seat. I think there might be an extra inhaler in here, she said. A sample from the office medicine closet. Diana! Phoebe grabbed Diana's shoulder. Something's ahead in the street. Diana dropped her lab coat and swerved to miss the crumpled mound lying on the pavement. She slammed the brakes the shoulder straps jerking them against their seats. Diana checked the rearview mirror, unbuckled their seatbelt, and sprang from the car. Several aluminum cans, a rolled newspaper, and a plastic sack were nearby. It was Carveille Eves. The note in Phoebe's handwriting lay next to him. (laughs) ¶¶
0: this reading of The Five Matters of Death was produced by Kings River Life and directed by Lori Lewis Hamm. This book is available for purchase. You can learn more about Darden North and his writing on his website, DardenNorth.com. Our theme song, The Blues, was written and played by Kevin Memley. Check out Kings River Life Magazine's websites for more mystery, local theater, animal rescue, and so much more. KingsRiverLife.com. And KRLNews.com. We'll be back next time with another mystery short story or mystery first chapter. Subscribe to our podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode and follow us on Twitter to keep up with everything KRL at Kings River Life. If you enjoy this episode, please rate or review it, as this helps make us easier to find. Until next time, this is your announcer, Jim Tuck, wishing you a life. Full of mystery.